This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Graham Redman. Reginald, short stories by Saki. Reginald on Tariffs. I'm not going to discuss the fiscal question, said Reginald. I wish to be original. At the same time, I think one suffers more than one realises from the system of free imports. I should like, for instance, a really prohibitive duty put upon the partner who declares on a weak red suit and hopes for the best. Even a free outlet for compressed verbiage doesn't balance matters. And I think there should be a sort of bounty-fed export—is that the right expression?—of the people who impress on you that you ought to take life seriously. There are only two classes that really can't help taking life seriously. Schoolgirls of thirteen and Hohenzollerns. They might be exempt. Albanians come under another heading. They take life whenever they get the opportunity. The one Albanian that I was ever on speaking terms with was rather a decadent example. He was a Christian and a grocer, and I don't fancy he had ever killed anybody. I didn't like to question him on the subject. That showed my delicacy. Mrs. Nickerack says I have no delicacy. She hasn't forgiven me about the mice. You see, when I was staying down there, a mouse used to cakewalk about my room half the night, and none of their silly patent traps seemed to take its fancy as a bijou residence. So I determined to appeal to the better side of it, which with mice is the inside. So I called it Percy, and put little delicacies down near its hole every night, and that kept it quiet while I read Max Nordor's Degeneration and other reproving literature, and went to sleep. And now, she says, there is a whole colony of mice in that room. That isn't where the indelicacy comes in. She went out riding with me, which was entirely her own suggestion, and as we were coming home through some meadows she made a quite unnecessary attempt to see if her pony would jump a rather messy sort of brook that was there. It wouldn't. It went with her as far as the water's edge, and from that point Mrs. Nickerax went on alone. Of course I had to fish her out from the bank, and my riding-breeches are not cut with a view to salmon-fishing. It's rather an art even to ride in them. Her habit-skirt was one of those open questions that need not be adhered to in emergencies, and on this occasion it remained behind in some water-weeds. She wanted me to fish about for that, too, but I felt I had done enough Ferrer's daughter business for an October afternoon, and I was beginning to want my tea. So I bundled her up onto her pony and gave her a lead towards home as fast as I cared to go. What with the wet and the unusual responsibility, her abridged costume did not stand the pace particularly well, and she got quite querulous when I shouted back that I had no pins with me and no string. Some women expect so much from a fellow. When we got into the drive she wanted to go up the back way to the stables. But the ponies know they always get sugar at the front door, and I never attempt to hold a pulling pony. 
As for Mrs. Nickerax, it took her all she knew to keep a firm hand on her seceding garments, which, as her maid remarked afterwards, were more two than ensemble. Of course, nearly the whole house-party were out on the lawn watching the sunset, the only day this month that it's occurred to the sun to show itself, as Mrs. Nick viciously observed, and I shall never forget the expression on her husband's face as we pulled up. "'My darling, this is too much,' was his first spoken comment. Taking into consideration the state of her toilet, it was the most brilliant thing I had ever heard him say, and I went into the library to be alone and scream. Mrs. Nickerack says I have no delicacy. Talking about tariffs, the lift-boy, who reads extensively between the landings, says it won't do to tax raw commodities. What exactly is a raw commodity? Mrs. Van Chalaby says men are raw commodities till you marry them. After they've struck Mrs. Van C., I can fancy they pretty soon become a finished article. Certainly she's had a good deal of experience to support her opinion. She lost one husband in a railway accident, and mislaid another in the divorce court, and the current one has just got himself squeezed in a beef trust. "'What was he doing in a beef trust, anyway?' she asked tearfully. And I suggested that perhaps he had an unhappy home. I only said it for the sake of making conversation, which it did. Mrs. Van Chalaby said things about me which in her calmer moments she would have hesitated to spell. It's a pity people can't discuss fiscal matters without getting wild. However, she wrote next day to ask if I could get her a Yorkshire terrier of the size and shade that's being worn now, and that's as near as a woman can be expected to get to owning herself in the wrong. And she will tie a salmon-pink bow to its collar and call it Reggie, and take it with her everywhere, like poor Miriam Klopstock, who would take her chow with her to the bathroom, and while she was bathing it was playing at she-bears with her garments. Miriam is always late for breakfast, and she wasn't really missed till the middle of lunch. However, I'm not going any further into the fiscal question, only I should like to be protected from the partner with a weak red tendency. End of Reginald on Tariffs This recording is in the public domain.